You ready to go? You ready to go full R- R- full mill RPG style? Yeah, you want me to bring us in this time? Yeah, dude, why don't you bring us in this time? Tell me when to go. Go! Hello and welcome to a special episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Ben. And I am your host, Brendan. Yeah, today's interesting. We uh, haven't actually played any... We haven't played any D&D since the last time we recorded. Um, so instead, what we're going to do is, on this special episode, we're going to talk about uh, relationships in-game, uh, multifaceted uh, relationships in-game. Yeah. That'll be later with our panel of experts. Experts. Uh, but first, we're just going to take a little bit of time and sort of talk about what projects we're working on right now. Yeah. So uh, why don't you start us off, Brendan? What projects are you working on? Well, Ben, as I am sure you're well aware, it's been a very busy time around the um, Full Metal RPG Studios. It we've, has. Things we, are going full swing. Dude, we've had a lot going on. So um, I guess at the top of the list is that uh, you and I, you know, by the time people hear this, they will have read the announcements, will be in the middle of it, but you and I decided that our... Um, backlog was too big and we were going to start really just pushing we're going to be putting out an episode a week for a while we're not becoming weekly we're just putting out an episode a week until our backlog has caught up yeah and on top of that we're gaming so that means we're generating new content while we're pushing out the backlog which means that ben and i are just spending a lot of time after work kind of like holed up in the studio drawing pictures editing interviewing rounding up guests it's it's been fun. It's been intense, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's been interesting because I have really no had no experience in audio editing at all, and so I'm sort of learning from the fly. Uh, Brendan has handled that all that previously, so that's been a really interesting journey. Yeah, uh, Ben's been picking it up pretty quick, and uh, I've wrangled a couple more kind of like special guest artists to um, do some art for uh, Full Metal RPG. In fact. I believe that this this episode should have the work of one Mario Torres um, as nice. its uh, as its profile pick. And let me tell you, uh, I met him last year in Los Angeles at Strategicon, and I was uh, sort of babe in the woods, new to the um, OSR kind of scene. He sold me a handful of zines at a um, table that he was running. He put the um, random esoteric creature generator by James Ragey in my hand insisted that I buy it and he and I have stayed in touch ever since so I mean I really like owe it to him like he really kind of like lifted the scales from my eyes on what the OSR could be and kind of put me on that path uh, and now we're featuring his art and so if you like the art on this week's um, uh, for this week's episode and check it out on the Facebook check it out on the Instagram Mario Torres the guy's amazing he I mean he kicks those images out and they are great yeah, I've seen the I've seen the picture that you guys get this week, and it's uh, pretty pretty awesome. It's killer. Um, another thing that I guess now, in terms of personal projects, um, I'm just gonna start out with another endorsement. I mean, I'm, it's it's a long time coming, and quite frankly, it's like a little bit overdue. Um, this podcast would not be what it is. It would not have the reach that it does. It would not have the audience that it does if we had not found our friends in England at Corehammer. And if our friends in England at Corehammer had not found us, 
we're very privileged to know um, Nate and Mark and some of those guys um, who run that amazing community over there of uh, war gamers and role players and hobbyists. And they run a great podcast uh, called Dungeon Punks. And they have a huge community over there called Core Hammer. And they write a blog under that same name. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you check it out. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you and I have played 40K, yeah. uh, multiple iterations of 40K at uh, different times. And uh, checking their stuff out sort of like got us a little nostalgic. And It, uh, it did. It did. <laughs> definitely made me uh, made me wonder if I wanted to put together an army again, uh, which I'm currently deciding against. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Nate, seriously, we're not doing it because, dude, I mean, down that way lies madness. But <laughs> we're... But we, I love seeing the pictures of people's painted armies over there. It's pretty awesome. It's true. It's true. And the quality of writing on that uh, blog is absolutely outstanding. And they just, they're just they just a lot more put together than Ben and I are. Uh, they've been doing this longer. They have more experience. And they kind of have um, taken us on as like apprentices. And they've really done so much to push Full Metal RPG and to get the word out about Full Metal RPG, and I just really feel like there are kindred spirits. There are across-the-pond like mirror image. Um, and I've been very, very privileged to be um, asked by Nate to uh, be involved in a um, fanzine that uh, is going to be producing. And I'm going to uh, be doing some writing for that. I've already submitted an article. I'm working on the second one. And uh, some illustration work as well. Um, and I'm super excited for that. But let me tell you, it just, it, it takes up the time between the duties I have here and the duties I have there. And it's a good kind of busy, you know what I'm saying? It's like the kind of busy sure. that, you, we, that you want to have. I mean, I, every day I come home from work and uh, I'm always like tired and bedraggled because of running and working out and blah, 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 all that crap. And I just can't wait to get behind the computer and either edit a podcast or write an article or um or draw a picture um i mean these are the things that make life zesty you know this is why this is why we go to work so we can like you know have the time and the money to do stuff like this um so i'm I'm very excited about about that zine very excited and again i just you know i want to extend some thanks to our friends at core hammer um and if you and if if you're a listener of this show and you like this show, I mean, check out their stuff because I I suspect that if you like what we're doing here, you'll like what they're doing there. Um. And uh, you know, all of that we haven't talked about games at all. You know, I've been trying to maintain you know a full time job and a and a relationship and a all, podcast and, and and also run some games while we're doing this. So you know, the out of the abyss game continues to go forward and um. And I've also taken some time to put together a little vampire game, a little uh, Requiem game. Um, we had our character creation session for that already. Uh, I got a pretty good table of um, like old school kind of like FMRPG, kind of like the usual suspects. It's sort of like a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, you know, rogues gallery of, of criminals and fuck-ups and... <laughs> And I'm really happy to have all of them at the table. Um, Amanda, who you know from FMRPG, is going to be on. Uh, ben is going to be playing. Yep. Um, my um, long-suffering girlfriend, Heather, will be making her Vampire the Requiem debut. 
And then there's a couple other cats that we're going to be having on that maybe you've heard about in some of our anecdotes, but who ne- haven't haven't been on the show. Um, uh, my buddy Mike, who is known for his Wraith games, will be playing. He'll be joining us at the table for the first time in a real long time. And um, my good buddy and also my work boss, Yona, will be joining us at the table. <coughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be exciting to play with Yona again. Uh, yeah. Yona just started listening to our podcast, by the way. So yeah. he, he crushed through a bunch of episodes. So when he hears this one, uh, shout out to you, Yona. Uh, shout out to you, Yona, because you're the founder of the feast. A, we couldn't do it without you. And B, you know, Yona was Yona was my friend before he was my boss. And um, I've always loved gaming with him. It's always been a special treat. And um, when I moved back to Phoenix, one of the things I wanted to do was sit down at the table with my friend and roll some dice. And we haven't had that opportunity yet, so um, we've got the characters in the bag. And uh, now we're talking about having a session in um, February. And uh, this was only, only supposed to be like a once-a-month game because there's a lot of people who are doing it that's kind of like um, they, don't have, they don't have the time for like a full game commitment. And that's fine. That's fine. Um so I mean I don't know. Do you think we've bored these guys enough with like all of the details of that game, or do you do you think that they want to hear more? Uh, I think uh, it, you can tell more if you want to. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, look if you if you if, you, if this if this sounds like eerily familiar, then like you know just go ahead and fast forward a couple minutes, and then we'll catch up with you down there. But um, so the premise of this game is is it was was founded back in the Iron GM uh, episode, um where I talked about the one-off that I ran for some uh, neophyte role players back in October. And I had such a good time with it that um, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if we had had an opportunity to make that a chronicle? And um, I sort of reached out to some of those guys to see if they were interested, and they had all vanished. Haven't heard from them. So um, I put it to my group to see if they would be interested. Now, I'm a Requiem guy. I'm a Vampire the Requiem guy. As it turns out, most of the people in my in my playgroup are Vampire the Masquerade people. And so it was kind of hard sell on a certain level. I had to keep it at this, like, one day a month kind of thing. And then I had to say, like, I, I like a bunch of people who, like, I was, I'm not going to say hoping would want to play, but, like, people who I kind of thought might be more interested weren't. So um, I kind of put together this, like, this other group for this kind of like low, lower commitment kind of thing. Um, but it's all people who are more ideologically kind of dis- predisposed towards a Requiem game. And Re- Requiem differentiates itself from Masquerade in that it's a little bit more subtle, right? Sure. So it's the, the horror is, um, there's more of a horror aspect, but the kind of real-worldiness of it is kind of ratcheted up. It's less fantastical. Masquerade ended up being kind of very fantastical. Yeah, I guess I'd put it that way, less fantastical. I sort of like that. Um, like, I, I don't want to say comic booky because that's not really how I feel about Masquerade, but there's certainly that sort of like... Um, uh, kind of like powers and and like yeah. like splashes that you could see on pages when you start thinking about like some of the masquerade, especially later on in masquerade, I would say. Yeah. Uh, whereas whereas Requiem doesn't have any of that. Yeah, Requiem is a much tighter game in a lot of sense. In a lot of senses, it's just it's kind of you can tell that they. Well, I mean that's a that's that's really for the Shadows Run Radio Hour. We'll talk sure. about that on, the, on that show. But the difference between those two games, but um. Well, We'll just leave it at I prefer Requiem. Anyway, so the kind of pitch for this game is is it's not really a vampire game, all right? 
because I once had this guy who objected to the to, to when we can play vampires. So this is not a vampire game. This is a World of Darkness game. You start out as humans, all right, and you're in you 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 work as criminals for the vampiric underworld. All right. Now the the philosophy that I have is that it it takes a lot of um criminality to keep the wheels on the sort of vampiric societal engine turning, right? Like there's all these things that that vampires they can't do for themselves. And because of their nature where they have to they can't go out during the daytime and you know, they've got all these like you know bloodthirst and stuff, you know. They require human beings to do this stuff for them and because human beings are doing this for them it makes it in inherently illegal you know these these these, these they're non-people vampires are non-people but they still have the needs of people so like other people have to go out and get this stuff for them so they have to hire these people who are kind of like morally dynamic they have to press these morally dynamic characters into service for them and so what i'm really interested in is kind of focusing on the lives of these people who have been trapped in this in this gang in like a criminal family, you might say. And the thing about it is, is that is that once you're in, once th once you, once once sort of like the man behind the curtain that like you realize that there's this supernatural world and that like you know vampires exist and that they're like hunting people and that you know the the thousands of people that disappear every year are probably just ending up in wood chippers because like vampires are exsanguinating them, you know. Once you've realized that, you can't go back to your life. It's like you're trapped. You know, you're trapped in this in this in this maze that they have made. And and at the same time, they're making you do the most horrible stuff imaginable. You know, they're because they're asking you on a daily basis to do dehumanizing things, um, in pursuit of their own food. You know, so um. I just kind of want to see what happens when you put characters in this position where they're forced to do horrible things that they have no recourse. And, like, how long, essentially, does it take them to snap? Because any N L.A. noir, any L.A. crime story is about, is about that moment where everybody snaps, you know? So we're going to see what happens. And uh, I have a few kind of, like, plot points. Um, that If you remember the IRGM episode, you may remember some of these plot points, and they make they will come up. But after that we've crossed those thresholds, we're going to move on and we're going to see what happens from there. And it's entirely possible that the characters will end up becoming vampires. Or not. Or not. Or they could decide to steal a car and go down to San Diego and start over. Yeah, maybe retire in Phoenix. Who knows? We'll see who, what happens. Who knows? Yeah, it's going to be completely organic. And that's one of the things that I have to say. When you're running a World Darkness game, it's kind of nice. Because it's not like... If 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 the characters say, "Oh, we're all going to get on a plane, we're going to go to Tokyo," it's like you have an idea of what real world Tokyo is like. You know what I'm saying? It's not like in the Forgotten Realms where people are like, "You know what? Fuck the Sword Coast, man. We're all going to Thay. We're all moving to Thay right now." And you're like, "Oh, holy shit! That's like a totally different game." I don't, I don't do. I need to read the Thay book real quick. You know, you can kind you can probably get bullshit your way through Tokyo for like a couple of sessions while you're doing the work. You know. Anyway, that's just my little thought there. So that's kind of what I've been working on. You know, that's what that's where I've been at. Like, I'm also trying to read a bunch of books. I just recently came into a copy of Unknown Armies, which I'm just, you know, I don't know if I'm going to 
I just really want to highly recommend Unknown Armies. Yeah, it looks really fun. Um, a little bit I've seen, it looks great. Yeah, I mean, if you're into occult role playing, if you're into, um, if you're into the films of Clive Barker, particularly Hellraiser and Lord of Illusions, especially Lord of Illusions, despite yeah, I how, that. how despite how cheesy that movie can be in certain spots. I mean, a lot of the Barker movies are cheesy, yeah, right? Definitely. But they're cheesy in this way that is like also awesome, right? So if you're into like Hellraiser and Lord of Illusion, I would and maybe Nightbreed, but whatever. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend checking out um, Unknown Armies. The cover art is not particularly gripping. The description on the back seems kind of like, well, what? This doesn't. I don't know. What, what is this game? I don't really understand it. But you get into that book, and there are so many different campaign options that it have been built into it. And the way that your character progresses, it would literally take you, if you were to take the White Wolf model, it would take you something like four or five separate books to do what Unknown Armies does in one book. It is just fantastic. It is fantastic. Well written. So that's what's going on with me. How about you? Well, uh, you know, after learning how to edit here and, and uh, going home a few hours uh, before I hit the sack, go back to work, I've started working on my own game. Uh, I think I've mentioned that before. Yeah. Um, and when you say that, you mean you're developing your own game. I am. I'm developing my own game. Um, I, uh, you know, I think I've mentioned before as well, I, I've really inspired by uh, certain genres of, of Chinese fiction. Um, yeah. So what's, that, what's that called again? Uh, specifically Shansha fiction. Um, I don't, I don't really, uh, you know, th- it's been games that sort of like, uh, you know, uh, I guess could exist in this genre before. Uh, I guess what comes to mind first off maybe is the, another White Wolf game, Exalted. Um, <clears throat> and then there's, you know, various other older games, I think, that, that could maybe like, uh, fall into the genre a bit, depending on how, uh, the games were run. But I don't think, to my mind, um, none of them uh, evince any of the charm or magic that I get when I read a lot of these translated novels. And so that's what I want to try and bring into a game. That's my goal. Um, yeah, why don't you give me a sense of what that is? I mean, kind of like, because you and I have talked about it in our own personal life. Sure. Like, I mean, kind of like... Like paint me a picture, like as if I was like reading the back of the book. Like, what, 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 where are you trying to take me here? Well, um, the typical uh, Shanshaw fiction is uh, about uh, immortal cultivation. Um, it is uh, a drive to um, steal, uh, to seize power to seize um, very basic, like, energy even, um, and to incorporate into yourself in the journey to become immortal. Uh, It is uh, incredibly brutal. Um, The fiction is marked with lots of, um, you know, battles and lots of uh, intrigue and lots of uh, pitfalls that happen along the way. Um, It is fundamentally uh, rejection of the natural condition of humanity, which is to, you know, uh, to, to, to be born, to live, and to die in a set fashion. Um, immortal cultivators uh, seek to go beyond that. And um, 
even the natural laws, the natural world, at some point reject them because of that. Are these guys like liches, kind of? Uh, sh- well, I guess it, without like the tropes of being undead necessarily, though those those do exist sometimes. Um, but certainly, uh, in the sense that like, um, they are a lot of them end up end up as these sort of like ancient evil characters who um, have existed for you know millennia. Uh, I've sort of been a blight on the land in a lot of a lot of areas, um, and uh, you know, constantly engage in a struggle for more power. That sounds that sounds fascinating. I'm 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 really stoked for this game. I think that this is. I mean, so what 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 is your player character doing, like in this in this concept? Uh, the the player character is um, the the. I'm starting out writing what what I'm doing right now is I'm writing a very basic adventure, right? Okay. So, I'm looking at like sort of the entry level player character, right? Who uh-huh. who that character is and um that character is uh an individual who has found himself uh through luck or by design in uh like a cultivation sect, which is essentially a sect of uh, immortals who or people trying to become immortal um, and uh, he he himself finds himself in the lower echelons of the sect okay like kind of like a monk temple like am I thinking like uh, like Batman Begins kind of like uh, like Brazil Ghoul kind of thing yeah I could see that um, it's in a sense uh, it, it, it's one of those uh, where it's very like um, how should I put this uh, talent oriented, right? Like okay. um, those that like uh, that that show themselves to do well um, are then like like taken and valued by the sect more than those that who don't, right? But throughout all this, the elders of the sect have to get something from this too. Yeah. So they themselves are. Um, you know the beneficiaries of 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 reaping some of the rewards that these younger generations of the sect individuals like uh, earn, and yeah. they sort of tithe to them, in a, and and not not necessarily in, a, in a, what would be called a tithe, but something that basically functions the same. the uh, The world is is one in in ruthless competition, and um, you know the player characters will be set on all sides by people uh, attempting to supplant them uh both uh directly and indirectly through uh subterfuge um and uh meanwhile the world itself is one of uh a fantastical asian world in a sense um full of mythical monsters who themselves uh have a lot of sentience um and like what like what kind of monsters what still kind of sentient monsters Sure, like uh, classical, like phoenixes or dragons, or um, you know, like even even like even like mythical like eagles, for example, who happen to be incredibly large, and uh, but yet sentient, and um, these monsters themselves have the capability to uh, to cultivate and uh, move forward as well, and they exist in a competitive sense with a lot of the uh, human cultivators. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, so that's 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 a little bit about what I'm doing. So what's what's your timetable for this thing? Well, well, give me give me some insight to that. Well, I think that I can have um, uh, at least an adventure started that we can that we can try out and run um, within two months. Okay. Now, I think that I'm currently doing a lot of system reading. I've been buying role playing books in different systems like crazy. Sure. Some open source systems. Research. Yeah, research. You're in research mode. I am. On that side, I'm in research mode, and uh, I'm trying to figure out like what I like. Um, I tend to tend to favor more open ended systems, mm-hmm. ones that like uh, you know uh, allow um, more of a give and take than exists, say, in like a typical D twenty game. Yeah. Um. So to that mind, like I've I've bought like uh some fake core stuff and um I've bought like uh Dungeon World, and uh, I'm trying to pick up uh right now a copy of uh, Knights Black Agents. So, nice. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm just reading on that. I'm just reading on the systems to see what I like, and if I find a good game that I like as well, you know, we can try that out too at some point. Well, that's all very exciting, and um, you know, at this point we have some plans for June. Where, we uh, do, you know, we're we're talking about doing our first kind of like con experience in June, and it is my hope that uh, we'll have at least some kind of we'll have something for our table. Yeah, we'll have a presence there, and hopefully something we can be giving out and uh, selling. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, selling for sure, but also like demoing and kind of like getting people excited about, right? Yes, absolutely. I want to have some handouts about this game that I'm working on, see if people find it interesting. Uh, I'm sure people will. And, uh, I, I want to try and demo run that. it for people too, so we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, we got to get in touch with those con organizers. All right, man. Well, hey, that sounds really good. And uh, I mean, clearly we're both very busy guys. Clearly we both have a lot of irons in the fire. But that does not mean that we're not open to. Uh, New things, new opportunities. So um, if there's something that, uh, you know, our listeners uh, want to hear from us, if there's, like, shows that you want to hear about, hit us up. Um, Full Metal RPG Official at Gmail. Um, And then if there's just anything, like, you know, if if people want to be on the show or have, like, their game kind of featured on the show, we're interested in hearing from you as well. All right. Well, uh, our first guest... Jeff has arrived in a black blazer looking very mysterious. And uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we return, um, we'll have Jeff here. We'll have Amanda here. And we're going to talk about relationships at the table. All right, great. See you then. All right, so we are back from our break, and we've assembled our panel here. We have uh, the mysterious Jeff. Greetings and salutations. And we have the warlord Amanda. Hello. And, uh, you know, this was actually Jeff's idea to um, do this episode, so um, we're going to give him the credit here. This is our Valentine's Day relationship special, and... uh, what? What? You want? I feel like you want to say something. Just gonna go woo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to celebrate the most overhyped holiday that any of us can think of, um, even beating out the spectacularly overhyped festivals of New Year's Eve and I think you know increasingly Halloween, um, we're gonna talk about relationships at your gaming table and amorous relationships, maybe sexual relationships, because. 
in the world of gaming, this takes on many different shapes, like a chimera. You know, you've got the PC who has a relationship with the GM-controlled NPC. You have the the dating players who are sitting at your table. You've maybe got a GM who is uh, in bed with somebody who's playing. And then maybe you have that super uncomfortable for everyone as you're trying to figure out each other's boundaries situation where two PCs are dating, but their controlling players are not. And maybe somebody, one of those controlling players is dating somebody else who's sitting at the table. Uh, that's, that's, that could be a little weird for everyone. Or, or maybe it isn't, you know? So, th- so, so, so Ben and I have gotten together our crack team here to talk about it and uh take it away ladies and gentlemen what we got to say about this relationships at the table you got well you know i think it's one of those things that goes back to a topic that i know brendan ben and myself have done our own soapbox rants on on numerous occasions that the quality of the players can lend so much to it and whether the players actually want to act like adults or if they somehow stopped maturing in like eighth grade um I know in a lot of games I've ran over the years, it's come up as one way or another. And in those groups where everybody wanted to actually act like an adult, and by adult, I don't mean necessarily triple X type right, descriptions right. in play. I just mean adult not, as in like a grown up. Yeah. Not as in saucy things. Maturity is what you're yeah. talking about. Maturity level. Maturity level. Not having to sit there and snicker every time uh, a relationship is described or not feeling the need to make a comment every time that the two, the limelight isn't on their character because it's on the two characters that are in a romantic relationship. And when that criteria has been hit, it can lead to some excellent role-playing and excellent storytelling. It just leads to some very rewarding sort of side stories. Sure. Yeah. I'll take you there. I think that, I think it's a great opportunity. And to be totally honest, I feel like in my games, I don't see it very often. And I, f- I feel like it is because maybe I run sort of a puerile, like, boys club game. Like, maybe I run kind of like this, like, like oh, it's a fucking Neverland, and I'm Rufio, and uh, girls are gross, like, kind of shit, you wait, know what wait. I'm saying? I want to say that um, you have some experience with it, though. Like, uh, you know, I think we've talked about, uh, uh, at one point in time, we had two players who were in a relationship together. Uh, that would be AJ and Rachel. Okay. Who were uh, whose characters at the game? I think this was Prague. Right. Were not involved with each other, and instead, right, one of those characters uh, was seduced into a into a threesome. Yeah. With another player character and an NPC, and she was incredibly uncomfortable uh. <laughs> during the whole thing. Oh yeah, no, she was. Yeah, we talked about this um, with. Uh the other Ben, a different Ben, but yeah, um, that did happen. That did happen. Yeah, she and was, I and I have to imagine upset with me. She's pretty upset with me. Well, I have her. to imagine some of that uh, discomfort had to have come from the fact that she was in a relationship with another person at the table, like in, in the real world. Well, I mean, you and just, she didn't know how to handle that. You just don't know how what where that discomfort was coming from. I mean, I I don't I don't I didn't I still don't know her well enough as a person. I mean, we haven't you know interacted in many years since I since I left for L.A. Um, but I, I I still don't know what her level of discomfort. Where I mean I understand the level, but I don't understand where it came from. To be totally honest, you know, I mean she she pitches to me a character that she says is based on um a central character in one of those Laurel K Hamilton books, like the 
not the not the Meredith Gentry one, but the other one. Anita Blake. Anita or whatever. Blake. Oh, like this, Blake. The vampire <laughs> porn novels. Yeah, she <laughs> says. She says. She says to me, as her character page, my character is like Anita Blake. I mean, and those books are very saucy, right? And so I was like, I, I, I thought I was giving her a great boon where there was like, oh, the, you're in this saucy relationship with a vampire. And then she was like quite irate, you know? I, I think part of that there might have been that... Because I've met these people. I didn't play with them long, but she was very reserved. And oh yeah, so I think part of it was that Maybe she kind of wanted to be like an Anita Blake character, but she isn't. And so being faced with that made her more uncomfortable than she thought it would make her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's definitely happened at least once that I know of in my games. Like, uh, not this Ben who's sitting to my left, and not the Ben who we talked to the other day, but another Ben who we used to game with, uh, very early on, I ran a game for uh, for just what, what was the usual vampire crew back then, and uh, he explains to me that he wanted a character that would be a girlfriend. He wanted a, he wanted a vampire girlfriend character, and I was like, okay, well, what do you want to do with that? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm he's like, he, I think he said like he had this, hit this idea. He's like, I want a Ravnos girlfriend. I'm like, all right, and he had dots on his character sheet for her or whatever. I was like, well, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, so I'm not going to, like, um, play it out in front of you, you know? Because he was, we were much younger. And, I, and at this point, a lot of us in the group had not really had, like, a lot of girlfriends. I think I think girls had only <laughs> just started coming around. Yeah, I mean, laugh, laugh yeah, it's true. I mean, the, the <laughs> I think I think that Chuck Klosterman said that, uh, if you want, if you wanted your kid to be abstinent in the '80s, all I had to get them was an Iron Maiden album and a DMG. <laughs> and, and, I, and he was totally right. I mean, the, uh, uh, D and D is the ultimate contraceptive. Anyway, um, we we didn't have a lot of experience with that. Girls were just kind of starting to come around. And I was like, all right, you can have this girlfriend character. I'm not gonna put you on the spot about it. Um, and he, but but tell me what you can, right? And how and how you want it to factor into the game. So what he did is he brought me a picture that he had Xeroxed out of a book, um, a different a different book, a, a vampire book, of what she looked like. And then he would write in his writings for the game these little stories of like little kind of like side adventures that they would have. And like I think that he would really write things like, yeah, and then we, and then we made out and stuff like <laughs> that. And this went on for seriously like two sessions, like two sessions. And I was like writing backstory to work her in, you know. I think I was, you know, doing some like girl in peril type shit, like pretty, pretty lame, but still. And then he just comes up to me before one game, and he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, skittled girlfriend thing. Just I don't want to do it anymore. It makes me feel weird. I feel weird <laughs> when I think about it. And he was just out. He was just done. I was like, really? Are you sure? I'm writing all this shit. And he's like, and he's like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So that was like the first. That was the first time I ever grappled with that. Yeah. No. uh... Was I in that game? I think I was. Yeah, dude. Of yeah, course. I was you in were that game. In those games. <laughs> yeah, um, this was the first New Orleans game. This was New Orleans Masquerade style. You okay. so you were you were playing you were playing a black dude. I was playing a black dude. And uh, without and, like comedic effects though. And the other Ben had a had a Ravno's girlfriend. So that was a that was a wacky game. The more I think about it. Yeah, th- you know. I guess I don't remember that. I remember microwave burritos, but I don't necessarily remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, that's for a different time. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah. True. 
Uh, it makes sense though because I mean, part of the role playing experience is if there's something you really want to try, it's a safe place to try it. Yeah, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I've had some players that we really ex- explored some really great subplots with them using like the true love merit and vampire, the ward merit, you know, really force them to determine what the relationship with this um npc creation is is this actually a romantic love or is it like their child biological child that is now mm. all grown up after they've become a vampire or wait that they were then subsequently in love with no but oh, like okay. well love i mean like, that's creepy and dark exploring like, other aspects of love off of the the valentine's theme a little bit you no know, no, just no yeah, yeah parent child dynamic sure so um, i mean because because this all happened, and, and and to our listeners, I pardon pardon us if we digress into a very world of darkness topic because I don't know if this stuff gets dealt with a lot in fantasy, but we'll come back to that. But we we do this a lot in World of Darkness, and Jeff, you have run a, a spectacularly long uh, Vampire the Masquerade game that had like a ton of people in it, right? You had like ten players or something ridiculous, right? Uh, over the course of the entire campaign, I think we had eighteen different wow. players. Holy shit, that's wow. Okay, so you had eighteen different players over the course of ten years. Yeah. And it was a very mixed group in terms of gender. You had a lot of females and a lot of males. A lot of females, a lot of males. You had a lot of people coupling off outside a game. A fair number, yeah. And then you had some stuff going on in-game. Yes. So take it away, man. Tell us, what, what were your insights? Well, I mean, first off, just flat out, as I've never liked to run any scenes that get into anything past sort of the PG-13, in terms of what I'm describing to the players for romance. I just, they can go re- read a Laurel K. Hamilton book if they want to read Vampire Sex. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, yeah, sure. Whatever's right. Um, I, And also because I just feel like it kind of ends up wasting time because then you're just spending way too much time on one player and not keeping the, the main story moving. Okay. That having been said, I've had, I've had both vamp, both player NPC and player player relationships at my vampire game. Some of those were great. Um, give, give me an example. I think one of the most interesting ones we had, and I've kind of mentioned it one of the other times I was on the show is I had a player one time trying to, and I've got a sort of signature NPC that was worked through all throughout my vampire world. He was sort of the guy character I always kept in the game. It was very amorphous, exactly how old he was, but the players would find clues that this character was, ancient Mm -hmm. and he was always sort of there never to help the players out of like the actual fights or trouble they got in but sort of like that if i needed to steer them back around to a piece of information or sort of just that that i could use him as sort of the deus ex machina Mm, character i see i see and one of the players had gone to him trying to learn a specific discipline that they thought he might know okay and rolled, set, like, kept searching him out at the nightclubs where he hung out, kept, like, trying to find information on him, just kept chasing him and kept trying to set up scenarios and trying to build a relationship with the character. And finally I said, okay, you're trying to do this as a seduction. Make a seduction role. Oh, yeah, you were telling us about this. This was the seduction. This is the yeah. Se- this is, like, from, like, months ago worth of episodes. Yeah. The seduction role, yeah. And they rolled just... Natural 10 after natural 10 after natural 10. I think at the end of the day, they rolled something like 11 or 12 critical 
successes on this role. Yeah. So I had to come up with a reason why this ancient vampire has now taken any interest whatsoever in this fairly young vampire. And part of the backstory that I'd written for this character, but never revealed to the party, never revealed to the players, it was just kind of in my notes, is that basically on the night he was embraced, his wife was murdered. So being in the world of darkness, I decided this would be kind of a cool thing that the player is playing the reincarnation of his wife. Oh, that is that is sort of tantalizing, but also difficult. That is, that is, yeah. I mean, this is kind of like a Coppola Dracula kind of thing. This is like a, I've crossed oceans yeah. of time. I found for you my Mina. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, to me, it was like the only way I could make sense in my head of how this player, that how many successes they got on that role to that level of seduction succeeding on this ancient ass thousands and thousands of year old vampire. And so I, I talked to the player about it. We decided to go with it and it led to some of the best uh, role-playing in some of those games as the player characters trying to like determine to work with like this completely inhuman thing and trying to like reawaken the humanity in this completely inhuman creature. And how long did that go on for? Uh, that survived all the way as long as that player was still in the game in Phoenix, so like seven and a half years. Wow, that's that's crazy. Did they ever end up, did they end up getting together? Yeah. yeah, yeah, really. How'd that work out? Um, again, we we uh, since we we kept sort of anything past PG thirteen off screen, you might say it worked really well. Um, interesting enough, that player's husband was playing in my game too. Ah, the plot thickens. So go ahead. And uh, we, they were good friends of mine and really had no problem with the way this was going because everybody, I mean, it was all just a, understood that this was a story, not that there was no real, yeah. real emotions or anything else. So this was just a really cool story to explore. Good. Um, his character, ironically, was in love with the character that um, his wife was playing. Really? Was was infatuated. How did that how did that come about in game? Um I, I don't remember how it came about in game. It did come about like organically in game. And he kept chasing her and she kept rebuking him. And it led to some just really cool like um scenes of him like trying to prove his love to her by like self-sacrificing himself a couple times to <laughs> oh, save Jesus her. Jesus Christ. Like that whole like I'm, I will show you I am the right person for you. Like, yeah, really high drama scenes that really played out great and were very cinematic. Well, it sounds like you're very fortunate to have a group that was like capable of doing that type of role playing because I can just imagine that going completely south. I can just imagine that it just it sounds like it just sounds like a flaming wreckage to me. Uh, I, I saw it go south in some other parts of the same game. Yeah, we'll come back to that because I know because I I know that this isn't this is not a story of 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 just triumph. I've heard the story of this game, and there's also a story of defeat in here as well. Am I right? Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, what what what, what do you guys got? What you what, Amanda? You've been you've been kind of quiet. What tell, lay it lay it on the listeners, man. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, 
I think I think keeping it probably like PG thirteen, like you're saying, is probably best bet until you know your players well. Yeah. Because uh, there's always that person that's gonna take it to the porno level you know <laughs> <laughs> but the person who's like sitting on the side snickering as it's happening yeah doing the bow chicka bow wow oh, you know God. noises and stuff oh yeah. jesus hmm. you know so until until you 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 know your characters just you know don't take it there yet <laughs> but now you have some singular experience well not singular but uh you in fact did date one of the players in your games for a while one well. <laughs> At least the one that I know of was me. <laughs> um, I do have a, a lot of experience with, with that and with couples. Like I said, the my um, D&D 4 experience oh, was, yeah. was a married that. couple. Uh-huh. He was the, the player and the one of the players, and she was new. And, huh. and was, there any, was there any like weird dynamic from that, or was it just... I have noticed that when married couples play, especially if... And and usually, it is the man that's like. At least in my experiences that I've had, has been running the games, right? Mm-hmm. And they have introduced their wife to it. Sure. Right. Sure. Very common scenario. Um, but then the wife, w- the wives I've seen have always been like. Like they always keep giving them the look, like, "What do I do next, honey?" Like they don't say it. Yeah. But. They think it, and you can see that they're thinking it, and and the husband's always looking at him like, you know, and you can just, it's just you can read their expression. She's like, what do I do next, honey? And he's like, I can't tell you everything you do. You've got to play the game. And, <laughs> and, and it's weird. It's weird. That sounds like a frustrating situation to be in. Eh, yeah, as, as a player it is, but on one level you can kind of understand it because Usually the the wife's new to it, and sure. you know she wants some guidance. And of course, she's gonna you know her husband. That's who she's gonna go to for guidance. But on the other hand, you're like, just play the fucking game, you know. Truth, preach, Amanda, preach. Now, you were in a game right with uh, three couples, right? I was. Yeah. This did, 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 did this happen in that three game? Couples? I was one couple, then there was another couple. I think this was four couples. Four couples. Oh, it was wow. a couples game. Wait, it was, was uh, this was weird. Like in in uh, the heyday of fourth, I played in a group um, that was like I don't know how we found these people. I was playing with Yona and his wife, and I was married at the time. And we showed up at this game that was being run by a couple. It was uh, the, the 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 dude in the in the couple was uh, the GM, and he was bringing his wife into it. That was Taylor, right? Taylor, and Lauren, and then another couple showed up to play, and they were and they were both neophytes to the whole experience. And um, I know I remember how you got into that. How it was that meetup group? The was it girl gamers meetup oh, group? Oh, it was the meetup group, girl gamers the East Valley. Yep. Yeah, that my uh, now ex-wife was a member of. Gamer girl, geek girls. girls. Geek, geek girls, girls there of you the go. East Valley. That's what it is. I am all for girls gaming, and they should be gaming, and I love that so many girls game now, but that just sounds bad. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I had this one experience with them. Um, at the time, my, um, my now ex-wife was doing a lot of activities with this group, and through it, she found this game. 
and the girls kind of got together to make it happen. That is exactly what happened. They, yeah, they I remember a, the story. They went to a sewing class or something, and they were all talking, and they were like, oh, our husbands all play these stupid games. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of interesting and curious. And my, at the, at the point, wife said something like, um, oh, well, um, I played these games too because she was playing a lot at the time. We should have them put together something. And so then Lauren's husband, Taylor, had been really wanting to run something, so he put together a fourth e-game. So it was like it was this really it was this really strange um, situation. I've never done anything like it s- before since never before, where um, it was almost like this weird kind of brunch club with a D and D game at the center. It was like it was like we showed up early in the morning on like Sundays, I think, and it was like all the the wives brought food and they created like a like a like a little potluck thing. And they all worked real hard over the week to like get special food, and they would like talk about it and stuff. Did did they make them in like cute little D and D theme? It it had not reached that level yet. At the at the at the at that point, I think that they were they were talking about cookbooks with each other, and they had. I, I do I sound super chauvinist right now? Like I condescend this whole thing. I I just remember at the time them all talking about the food like crazy. Yeah, it was it was it was really the centerpiece of the thing, and then the and then the dudes would all show up, and we'd all get really. Fat. Fourth edition was all about food. Was it, was it? It was food and board games. That was fourth yeah, edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, fourth edition was kind of like we're gonna have a potluck, and then there'll also be a game. Yeah, because the the married couple that was fourth yes. edition, and she would cook for us. We would get there. We'd have the dinner that she made and then we'd play fourth edition <laughs> yeah and i, I think we, we we played this game for a while it was all, it was it was a fine game and did you notice that a lot of the uh a lot of the women in that game who had a lot of less experience were sort of similar to how they were in amanda's game uh yeah you know wow that's i feel like we're into a different subject which is i mean this is like a sub subject of like bringing of guys bringing their girlfriends in, and I gotta say, man, I am super guilty of this. I am the guy who always brings the girls in to play the game. Um, and it is a very challenging situation because it's you're you're riding that fine line. That's exactly what Amanda was talking about, where there is, on some level, they're new and they've never done this fucking thing, and you've maybe been doing it like five years or ten years or twenty five years or whatever the fuck it is. And they've been doing it like three times, right? And they kind of look at you like, like help me, you know what I'm saying? Help me! And you're and and you just kind of want to be like, look, it's not that hard. All you have to just it's just like it's just like playing cops and robbers. You just have to pretend that you're the robber. That's it. That's all there is to it, you know. I right now, my my current girlfriend Heather. Is one is my latest recruit. <laughs> she's been she brought her to the table. She's playing in my Out of the Abyss game. She's doing pretty well. I haven't gotten a lot of um, pleading looks from her. Maybe one or two, but not a lot. I not, actually haven't noticed any. So yeah, I mean, she, it's not like it was because you know my. I, I feel like when Amanda's talking about being in games where she sees the the, the wife giving the Rosa GM. Rosa would be one of those, yes. She definitely, yeah. Ro- yeah, my ex-wife definitely gave me, like, some uh, some serious pleading looks. And that was very, always very frustrating. But what's different about Out of the Abyss is I feel like Heather is really surrounded by gamers who know what the fuck they're doing and who are very happy to help her. 
like um ben's been really great dustin's been really great jeff's been really great um and then in her own time she's interested enough in the hobby that she researches it on her own she reads she reads role-playing books which is like the which is critical to learning how to role play is you have to read fucking role playing books. <laughs> and, and and my ex wife and I'm not trying to dog my ex wife here, okay, I'm just trying to you know tell a story. She didn't want to read role playing books. She didn't she didn't she didn't enjoy the process of reading role playing books. It's just like fucking half of it or or more, maybe, you know? And I would always tell her, like, you wanna get better at this, you just rather read the books and she'd say, I don't wanna just tell me what's in them and I was like, I mean, come on, you know. It's all about level of interest. Yeah. You know? I mean really that's what it comes down to. Your significant other is going to be into it or they aren't, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if they'll try it for you, that's great. However, there's a point where, you know, if they don't like it, well, then don't don't be like, oh, you're not going to come? Yeah. (laughs) Be like, like, okay, honey, that's great. Go do your thing. I'll go do my thing, you know? So. I I, I will say that there are. I wasn't always as developed as a, of a person as I am now, where there might have been in the past times when if Rosa had said, I don't want to play, I might have been kind of hurt. But then I, there were also would have been times when if she had just said that, if she had just said, like, you know, I'm not actually interested in this hobby, like, I would I, maybe I would have been kind of relieved. Because, I mean, like... I mean, I spent a lot of time, like, making characters for her. You know what I'm saying? I, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the heavy sigh from the guy when, like, fourth session and, you know, something not too difficult like D&D, and she's like, which die do I roll again or attack? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, that... Uh, it, it gets frustrating is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, like... So I have always role played, and I've actually brought my significant others. Males. You brought some dudes to the table. I've brought dudes to the table. Step my up, dudes. <laughs> my current husband was one of them, and you know I told you that story with the hiding behind the. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> a great rock. story, by the way. Indeed. But um, but like I said, it's one of those things. It's a it's a a, a level of interest. So yeah. he he likes role playing. He doesn't like role playing as much as he likes video games. Yeah, and I'm okay with this. You know, so it's not like I'm going to like force him to role play because I like role playing and he doesn't try to force me to play his video games that he loves. So it works out. Yeah. You got to live and let live. Right. Yeah. You know, life's too fucking short to be doing some crappy hobby that you don't like. You know, you got to do the hobbies that you like. Love is not doing everything your significant other does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It took me a while to realize that. Definitely. That's life lessons out there, kiddos. Life lessons. True. Life lessons learned at the gaming table. How about Ben? Ben, you have not really, you have yet to contribute a story to this to this round. Well, I guess I guess for the most part, I've sort of, I've sort of ignored a lot of these things, because to me, they haven't really been a problem, um, other than like some of the disruption that AJ and Rachel brought to the table. Um, for the most part, they haven't been a problem. I will say there is this portion of time where the relationship that exists outside of the game impacts the game yeah it does it's true and um where like outside drama is brought in yeah and that's that to me is uh was has been frustrating at times to deal with um and i think that you're more likely to see that when you have when two people at the table are dating or married or whatever 
I do, yeah. do you think so? More likely? Because I feel like we've had some pretty toxic shit going on and in, in other games that had nothing to do with relationships. You know? I think the percentage of it happening in a game that has a couple or two couples in it is higher than in a game that doesn't have any anyone bumping uglies, you know? Yeah, you know what? Now that you mention it, I'm kind of like running it through my head like the brain computer. You're pretty <laughs> much right. It just brings a whole another level to it. It's like, true. Your character didn't clean the toilet. <laughs> I'm going to call shot to the head you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that to me that's that's one of the it's sort of when when outside problems from relationships sort of fall over inside the game. That's where I've noticed it the most. But um I don't know. I think that like uh for the most part that that hasn't really been an issue. Um I don't know though. I mean, I What do you guys think? Do you guys think that that's been a problem for for us in general because we've had a lot of experience with this i mean brendan and his ex-wife brendan and his current girlfriend uh we played we aj (laughs) aj and rachel we when we gamed with amanda i was dating amanda for a large portion of that it's true Um, it's true you know and you guys played as a couple in one of my vampire games and then i played did we play as a couple in one of his games well no 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 no. you guys we were a couple but then and then you were also playing but your characters were actually intensely adversarial which was kind of interesting oh yeah you were trying to kill my character i remember this (laughs) probably (laughs) 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 I've, i've actually never been in a game with a significant other where our characters were together yeah yeah me neither and to be totally honest that just sounds terrible like, why would I want to do that? You yeah, know? it's like, uh, I get this in real life. Why do I want to role play Exactly. It? Exactly. You know? And th- on, on the same token, it's not like I've ever um, been in a game where I'm like, oh, man, I'm away from the wife. Now I got to go play my lechy character who hangs out at strip <laughs> clubs. Like, like I want to make a seduction role. You know? <laughs> Come here, ladies. You know? <laughs> Save versus disease. <laughs> yeah, only in your games. <coughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh, well, I like I said, I I, I mean, I, what do you guys think that like? Um, I mean, you had a lot of experience playing like GMing for us when we were a couple or when we were dating. Was that a problem in any way? Because we were always all over each other when, <laughs> when every session. No, in a lot of ways no. we were incredibly <laughs> adversarial when we gamed. I mean, oh yeah, yeah you got yeah, you. Dude, th- both of us because we're both really strong personalities. True. And and like kind of controlling and. We wanted our characters, both of our characters, to be the badasses. So we were kind of competing for that title. Com- <laughs> c- competing is the word that I would use. If I had one word to describe that, it would be competition. Like, I felt like um, that was during an era that I've described on a different podcast as being the uh, the most dangerous game era. <laughs> where where, where, where uh, people, certain people... <laughs> we're not happy to funnel their aggressions against the environment or the NPCs. They wanted um, to test their metal against the other PCs. And um, there was definitely... Ben gets irate when I, when I want to <laughs> paint him with this, with this uh, color, but uh, 
I, I feel like a lot of it happened kind of around Ben with different people, and that was definitely part of what was going on with that, right. in that particular vampire right. game. You can't deny that, Ben. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> I was playing an incredibly overbearing character. Probably the most overbearing character I've ever played in my yeah, life. Yeah, Wait. you play overbearing characters. You yeah, do that. Yeah, I was that. just going to say, which one? <laughs> uh, this character was the most overbearing of, of any player character I think I've ever actually played with, honestly. I can't think of another player character that's been as overbearing as that character in any of your games. I, I feel like, okay, we were talking about Kananescu, Ben's, Ben's vampire character from Giovanni Chronicles. I, I miss Kananescu, by the way. <laughs> Kananescu <laughs> was, uh, was, uh, was an old, uh, an, uh, old clan Zimacy. So he had this kind of like rustic Transylvanian noble thing going on. And uh, he just insisted on like kind of like enforcing his will on others, and he was he had this kind of like this this noble lineage, so he expected certain things, and, and because he was Transylvanian, he expected like certain unwritten laws of propriety to be observed, even if people had no reason or background to necessarily acknowledge them. So um, he was getting he he became irate a lot. However, I feel, and this is and this is probably because at this point. I moved from being in the GM position to being in the PC position, and Amanda was the one in the GM chair. I feel like your most overbearing character was that monk that you played <laughs> oh, in her game, where you were like, where you were always walking around like counting everybody's gold to make sure that you got your gold for because <laughs> you needed I, to donate it to your temple because you had a vow of poverty, which is like <laughs> that character was so broken. The, the, the <laughs> string of logic behind that was like so convoluted where it's like I am the poverty monk that means I need my share of the gold made no sense to me especially considering he was like a quote unquote like lawful good character or something and he had no hey, problem I, killing I, people over money I can't I can't uh I can't I can't defend this character <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't defend this character um this was a weird time what can I say It really was it was um, a weird time it was a weird time Yeah I was with Rosa I, at that time. You and Ben were together at that time. We played with. Um, That's probably why I let you get away with the monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could definitely be. You know. Uh oh. Roro. I, I actually remember. Um, we used to hang out at like like Denny's a lot, like back in the day. I remember. Um, going over. I, I was at Denny's with you. And you had just gotten the Exalted Deeds book, and 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 uh, I loved that book. <laughs> and, um, I and hate the vile that book. Book of vile darkness. Book of vile darkness. I liked both those books. Yeah, I remember this, and uh, and so you were you were talking about this, and, and uh, you were the one that uh, put me on to the uh, vow of poverty, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I don't remember it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. We all uh, should have taken the vow of poverty <laughs> and uh, been playing monks. Yeah, no shit. Anyway, but that that was that was a case though where like um I don't know we were dating and we were both looking at role playing books all the time and uh, our our power level I guess sort of spiked a little bit because of that. <laughs> we were over five thousand or whatever. <laughs> all right, uh, Jeff, I, we're bringing it, we're gonna bring it back in we're gonna bring it back into topic now real quick because we definitely kind of got on a tangent there but uh uh you you have. A tale for us of sadness and sorrow, right? You have a tale for us of the the, the game that became rotted from within by the the toxicity of of the relationships. Yeah, I mean that's that's what ultimately led to the end of my long term vampire game was. Oh, I haven't heard this story. The the toxicity of the relationships. Um, the group, the final group I was playing with, is a very different group than the one I'd started with. 
Um, some of the players had only been some of the players. I still had like I think one or two players that had been there for most of the ride. Most of the rest of the group was fairly new. One of the new players was the girl I was dating at the time. Okay, so that's relationship one. That's relationship one. Um, we were still in touch with the people, some of the other players, specifically the one who had made the seduction role on the ancient. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, she'd shoot me an email, like of something she wanted her character to do because her, her character was still alive in game as an NPC. As an NPC now, okay. well, semi NPC. Basically, most of the time was off unseen. Every once in a while, I get an email from her like, "Hey, can you have my character do this?" Mm-hmm. And I'd describe and like somehow tell the that somehow the players would observe those actions. Nice. That's really cool. You had that going on. Uh, I had another guy and his girlfriend in the game. Okay. This is relationship number two. This is relationship number two. His. So his girlfriend wanted to start a relationship with one of the NPCs that I was running. Okay. Um, uh, I had an old uh, gangrel, ironically enough, carried over from Brendan's Giovanni Chronicles game. Oh, okay. That I was now that I had played all through Brendan's Giovanni Chronicles, Sir Jacob. Uh huh. Who got into quite a few yelling matches with Count Inescu. Yeah, yeah, those two <laughs> like to yell. I don't think they ever actually though came to striking blows at each other. Not at all. In fact, I remember a couple of scenes <laughs> later where we were like uh, on friendly terms. Yeah. They would just sit there and bellow at each other. <laughs> but I had now taken that character and brought it into my game as an NPC because yeah. I needed a, a character that was basically at that power level. So why reinvent the wheel when I've basically got one completely statted out with backstory and everything else? Yeah, indeed, right? So... She, the girl number two wanted to get in, somehow get into a relationship with uh, Sir Jacob. Okay. Can girl number two have a name? You can just come up with something. It doesn't have to be a real name. Um, sure. Let's call her Sam. S- okay. So Sam, Samantha. Samantha wanted to get into a relationship with Sir Jacob. Yeah. Her, 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 her character. Her character. Okay. Um, never managed to really succeed on any of like the seduction roles or anything like that. But she, her, her her character was one that had been newly embraced just as the game started. Mm-hmm. Was still trying like to struggle how to be a vampire. Um, had been well, she'd actually been a vampire for like fifty years, but had never been taught what it meant to be a vampire. Her sire had basically like kept her in a crypt mm-hmm. and like psychologically tortured her for fifty years. Okay, that's dark. Yeah, it was pretty dark, and like as a geisha. Oh, okay. So add on a level of dark. Yeah, yeah, that's all, that's all pretty dark. So, basically, and I made it very clear to her like that Sir Jacob at most pities her and thinks of her as like a niece or a granddaughter. Okay. But she kept trying to re- pursue this relationship with him beyond that. I mean, as, I don't know what the motivation of the character or the player was, but as a character that kind of makes a certain amount of sense with like, the kind of daddy issues thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's, like, this right. horrible torment, and she's, like, trying to, like, get the approval of this, like, older man, you know what I'm saying? I no, think. and it, it worked very well. Sure. It, and it would have led to a really interesting story. Yeah, but. But. I, I sense there's a but here. 
her boyfriend was like really uncomfortable about this. Okay. And kept reading into it that there was something going on there between her and I that between the human beings between the human beings that absolutely there wasn't. Okay. And it w- and it was was this spilling over and out of game was he saying things to you or was he just frustrated with her or what was going on? Uh finally he said some stuff and th- I'll get around to this. Okay. At the same time my girlfriend who's playing had never um she'd never role played before. She she kept looking to me for like what do I do and I kept telling her I I'm the GM I can't tell you what to do just do something. Ask one of the other players and then yeah. and she would be get mad at me because I would not tell her like the secrets behind oh. my game universe. Oh, uh. she she wanted like insider information. Yeah, she wanted insider information. <sighs> like <sighs> no, I'm not telling you like the massive Wayne backstory. Needs a smack, bitch. Um, one time and. This was kind of as the relationship was crashing and burning. I found out that she'd actually gone into my game briefcase and like was flipping through my notebook. Wow. Wow. Which, I mean, I'm sure everybody out there is cringing at this thought. It's a game, people. It's a game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, the notebook that I left in there was not actually the notebook for that game. And that's how I figured it out because sometimes we kept trying to do things in game that were from a notebook I was working on for another game. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh, I never heard this. Yeah. yeah like she, she was like, well, I want to go over here to confront this guy. There's nobody over there by that name. But, but I knew that I'd written that scene as prep material for another game I wanted to run later. Oh, my God. So she was crazy. I'm hearing she was crazy. Well, I mean, she... She thought she didn't re- realize that she'd grab that she'd been looking in the wrong notebook because I didn't label the notebooks. I, I, I think what Manda's trying to say is that this this person's priorities were like very weird. Yeah, and like her her motivations and that's that's. I'm sorry if I'm filling in. No, no. Yeah. So, so. So so then I found out she was seeing somebody else. Your girlfriend. Yeah. Was seeing somebody else. Yeah. In real life. In real life. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's keeps, pleasant. That keeps getting better. Sorry. So, did you kill her character? Tell me, well, you killed her character. Um, I don't remember. Aww. I. But the game was still going on. The game was still going on. Was she still playing? She played. She played for two sessions after I found out it, that she was cheating on me. And you uh, allowed her to. You were like being magnanimous. I was. What was, your, what was your... I was just still like trying to. Like you're processing. Yeah, I was processing. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I don't get that. I would have been like, uh, "Why did you go spend time with your new boyfriend?" Because uh, we're gaming here. You well, know what I'm saying? I, I mean, because I found out like, I found out third party that she was seeing someone else. You hadn't confronted her on this yet. And I was trying to decide how I wanted to do that. Oh, Jesus, dude. <laughs> well, because you know, there's that like, is is the information I found that I was given real? Or is it not? So I got to think about this, determine the the per you know what possible motivations the person who's telling me this might have elsewhere. Because you know you don't really want to throw that accusation out there without having some yes, background. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. If if you you do, you have to know it's your relationship, right? You know? But and I think you have to think about. I have to think about a little ways to figure out how I wanted to do it. In such a way that if I was wrong, 
I didn't train wreck the relationship. Because this was, like I said, if, this... If you asking whether your significant other is cheating on you train wrecks the relationship, it already wasn't going to go any further. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm very much a believer in being blunt. Um, you know, so just be like, hey, I heard this funny thing the other day. <laughs> yeah. Is it true? I mean, I, I think we were, all, we were a lot younger back then. You were still yeah. in college, right? This is when you were doing your postgrad. I was, I, this was when I was doing my postgrad. So I mean, we were still young. We were still making. I mean, Jesus, I was still making like fucking young man mistakes even just a few years ago. So um, I don't know if there's ever any moratorium on those kind of mistakes. You know, where you just where you're like, oh yeah, I'm immune to that. But I mean, in terms of life lessons, I agree. If we're gonna go to tough talk life lessons, I'm with Amanda, which is like, if you can't look, if you can't look your partner in the eye and say, you know, I heard a funny thing and um, I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on it um, without, without some kind of fear of what's going to happen, then done. It's already over. It's already over, man. No, I agree. But I think there's a way you approach that though, in such a way that, well, certainly not being immediately accusatory, but just saying, yeah. Well, yeah. Know. Well, uh, anyways, there's a difference between, you know, Hey, baby, are you <laughs> cheating on me? Blah, blah, blah. And I heard this. Yeah. Tell me yeah. if it's true. No. And of course, you know, hindsight. <laughs> so that went on. The game went on for two more sessions after that. Okay. Um, I broke up with her. Said, you know, obviously you don't want to be with me. That's fine. But I also don't want you in this game. Yeah. Understandably so. Just This is my game. Bye. I don't remember if I killed her character off or not, to be completely honest, because that we'll really... say you did. Yeah, that was fine. <laughs> but then, like, some more shit went down with Sam and Sir Jakob. I had to... Oh, but now you didn't have a girlfriend. You could essentially kind of, like, deflect and say, oh, I have a girlfriend. And in the meantime, Homeboy, who's been watching this whole thing, is all, like, putting shit together in his head. And he's, like, right. creating a narrative. He's creating a timeline. I had to take some time off to finish up my thesis. Mm -hmm. So the game shut down for about four or five months while I was finishing my thesis. Mm -hmm. And during that time, like homeboy and her had some big fight. Um, the whole group just fell apart at that point. Everybody's taking sides in both my yeah. breakup with my ex, their fight. Everybody's throwing dirt around without actually anybody having solid stories, at which point I just never, I walked away at that point, never walked back to that game. It turned into high school. Grade school. I mean. <laughs> That's interesting. That really sucks. <laughs> and I mean, it, yeah, that was the death of a game that had been going for about 10 years. Did, didn't one of them write you a letter or something? Did yeah, I got you? a letter a couple of years ago from, from Homeboy, like apologizing. Oh. Stepping up, and I wrote him back, and we've never really talked after that. That's um, nice that he actually yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, he stepped up. There. He's not with her, with Sam anymore. Well, I imagine not. It sounds like their relationship was kind of toxic. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's that's an example of where the whole, like, in-game romances can go. <laughs> actually, like, radioactive <laughs> <laughs> fallout that is definitely a good example of a very very out of control bad situation i mean that is that was bad yeah i mean and you know looking back yeah maybe now 
many years down the road, I could have, there was things I could have done to like head that train off at the pass and prevent it from spiraling that way. No, no. But at the time I certainly didn't have those tools. Well, I mean, here's the thing is, yeah, you did the very best you could with what you had. Right. Well, I mean, don't we all, you know, we're always, I mean, I I have never sat down at the table and then just sat out and been like, you know, I'm going to be a fucker today. I'm just going (laughs) to fuck everything up. I'm just, you know, I don't care. Never. You know, you're always trying to do the best you can with the relationships you have and the tools you have as a person. Does that mean that like, I'm always very understanding and sensitive? No, I can be very coarse. I have been told by everyone I've ever dated that I can be very difficult to be around and I completely get it completely get it you know i look at my own fucking behavior i don't know i don't want to be around me sometimes you know what i'm saying so sometimes i don't sometimes it's weird being me and having to like having to live with being who i am you know what i'm saying but like you do the best you can with what you have every single day nobody ever sets out to run a shitty game nor ever sets out to make everybody have a bad time and nobody ever sets out to have a bunch of fucking relationship regrets you know what i'm saying right and sure. I, I could say one time i sat down at a table to do a tpk that, okay, okay, that is totally different. That was that's, my goal sitting down at the table. Yeah, was. yeah, but that's different because a TPK is like a certain is a certain kind of is a certain kind of fun in a certain way. And Revenge I, killing. <laughs> I, I mean, like there's there's a whole there's a whole variety of gamer that I'm that I've become aware of over the last couple of years who would say that because I as a GM don't sit down attempting a TPK every session makes me a Monty Hall gamer. Like, I'm a Monty Hall gamer. It's too easy on you guys. And I care too much about your backstories and your fucking little sick side characters and your shit. What's my problem? Why am I so... Why am I always, like, jerking you guys off? Why don't I fucking, like, lower the metal every so often? You know what I'm saying? And, it's, and, and there's this part of me that's kind of like, why don't I? You know? Why don't I really just get in there with my sword arm sometimes and make you guys feel the steel? You know? Never do that. Maybe someday I should. I, th- I think the one day you do that is going to be that day when you roll nothing but critical failures. <laughs> uh, and I certainly, I certainly would never qualify any of the games I've ever played with you as a Monty Hall game. I've played with Monty Hall DMs that just like, open the door and what's in treasure chest number one? <laughs> oh, look, you're first level and you already have magic swords, magic armor, magic. I guess I, guess I, just, I just feel really... Because I never heard the story before about your disintegration there in that game. Because not only did, did the game end, not only did uh, the relationship with your then girlfriend end, but you also kind of lost a friend group over it. It sounds yeah. like, which is pretty pretty fucking terrible. That's a lot of loss to happen over the course of a year yeah. while you're like in the middle of like a really tough time. You because you were a young man at that point. And that's like that was a lot of transition to be going through at the same time. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it was, in some ways it was easier because I was in my post grad programs, and uh, you had something else to focus on. Yeah, I just threw myself into that. I always, I always thought it was interesting uh, when Amanda and I broke up that you, uh, in sort of an interesting take on not taking sides, when he separated us. Yeah, ran ran a game <laughs> for each of us in, in, in sort of interesting fashion. Where we, where we, that was when you did the the second New Orleans, the Requiem New Orleans, right? <laughs> And you had a game that I was in that was New Orleans oh and a game God. that Amanda was in in New Orleans. Yeah. Which took place in the same universe, only two different gaming groups. Same same, same campaign setting, same city, same timeline, two different, two different games centered around two different factions. Because I wanted to keep gaming with both of you, but I felt like 
I mean, it was very fresh at the time, and it was very fresh. And there was a lot of there was a lot of hurt going on there, and you know, uh, I know that almost in some ways broke up our group because I know there are certain people that really felt the need to take sides, and after you two broke up, really, who yeah. really, I didn't know this. Yeah, I didn't either. Now you have to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. I mean, well, I mean, I, I can remember. Um, I don't remember things very well. I have fuzzy memories all the time. People always have to kind of. I like I said. I just thought it was really, really a really cool take on that that you ran a game for both of us when that happened. Well, I wanted a game with both of you, and I understood that it would be a while before you guys were ready to sit at the same table again. And it's it's super about great. to happen. It's about to happen yeah, for the first time in like, I don't know. It is, isn't it? Ten uh, years like it's or been, something. Yeah, it's been a long time. Ten or more years. And uh, and that was a really good game. And the whole concept of that game was that eventually your your characters would end up interacting with one another. <laughs> but I thought that by that point, maybe there'd be some time and some distance and some healing and whatnot. We didn't even get to that point, um, though. The game like, yeah. sort of spiraled for other reasons. The game fell apart. My games tend to fall apart. Well, that one fell apart to other like interpersonal things, I think, too. Zergala, um, AJ played a big role in that well there was that, that well that wasn't that wasn't that was on our side where people got mad that his character didn't die on their side there was some interpersonal stuff going on i think right between uh two the two women in the game oh i don't know if that had to do is that what brought into that game no that happened after the game well i i, I seem to remember i remember because i had like i used to talk to you about how that game was going at the cigar store uh-huh and uh, i seem to remember yeah, uh, I cigar see, store days. Yeah, I, yeah, I just remember store. stories of that. Like it had sort of started to happen at that point, and um, it then spiraled afterwards. So yeah, well, you know, all um, avalanches start with like a little snowball or whatever, right? True. So, or some little rocks or something. I think I was conflating avalanches and snowslides or something. Anyway, um. Mixed metaphors. Um, anyway, I just want to say I appreciate that. That was really cool. Well, hey, yeah. Yes. Uh, cool, man. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm happy that we're all still friends, and I'm happy to have you guys both at my table. And that's like one of my favorite games. That fucking New Orleans game. That game was so fucking fun. I had so much fun with that. Doing I, the I two had a blast groups. Too. I've always wanted to do that again. Like the two, the two, the split groups operating in the same, in the same um, storyline, and seeing how they both come at it from different angles. So much work, though. Oh God, I think that was the number one thing that ended up killing it for me because it was—I was putting so much fucking work in. I mean, you were—you were you're running twice a week on Friday and Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah, and one group was significantly further ahead than the other one was, so I had to always be going back and being like, "Wait a minute, well, like, like what? What's in this room? Like, have has those other guys been here yet? Are there footprints on the ground? Are there not footprints on the ground?" I was like, "I was like." It, it, things got things got a little hairy with that. But I've always wanted to do in that genre. Now we're getting really far off in the field. And we're wrapping it up. I mean, we're, we got we got another five minutes talking. So we'll talk about what you want. Talk, is, talk about yourselves. I've <laughs> always wanted to run the two group as a fantasy with one group of villains trying to take over the city and the other group of heroes trying to stop them. Oh, that'd be cool. And run it up like on alternating nights for a while until you get to the point where like everybody's plans are now going to fruition. Then literally stick the villains in one room, heroes in the other. <laughs> You're moving the final plans to forward, and then finally have everybody come into one room. There's the you know with the big final battle laid out on the table. Put your 
miniatures down. And you are such a sadist. <laughs> Other people's player characters. People are like, I named my magic weapons. <laughs> They're going to die. But no, but you, I would make sure the players knew. Greg. <laughs> what I mean, what this ultimate was going to happen going into it. I wouldn't want to do it with players that didn't. It is. It. I mean, on some level, what you're saying is, is like, play the most dangerous game, but with kind of like a blinder. Yeah. So going that, into it knowing that you're playing the most yeah. dangerous yeah. game. Yeah. Knowing that yeah. th- that there is that the adversaries you are working against are not just the GM who oh, always is no, going to be no, trying. No, no, don't. Have them not know. That's even no, better. No, no, yes, you no. You are the one that awesome. is sick. <laughs> that would be amazing. Warlord that, Amanda yeah, the lives up to her name. Warlord I Amanda. Totally have them not know, and then you know, have them in the two separate rooms. That's awesome. And then the big reveal that you, you see your opponents walk in, and you're just like, what the fuck? It'd oh. be amazing. Oh, I couldn't do it. I don't have it in my heart to do oh, that. You're just you're just heart. picturing everybody like <laughs> being all like. Annoyed and frustrated at the table, and you like oh, you okay, like taking okay. that to the bank afterwards. I know if I did that, you would love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you remember that session that we did? That little like sub session when you, because you and you and Mike were always getting each other's grills about whose character is more of a badass. Oh, well, if I could do this, then I'd kill you, and if I could do that, I'd kill you. So we did that thing at Denny's that one time. I remember those those toxic days. Right, but but there was that one time, and like, okay, so all right, so we go to Denny's after after fucking playing vampire, right, and we. We go there, and, and and the two of them had consented. They had asked me. They had, they had asked me to arbitrate a battle between the two of them. So, what I did is I came up with a. I, I drew up a little a little opera house. Remember? I do. And the two of you meet in the opera house, and then you f- and then you fought like Mortal Kombat style, right? This is their two <laughs> vampire characters. This was a uh, Nicodemus the Ventru versus um, Kananescu the Zimacy, and. Um, and I remember you won. You beat you beat Mike, right? I did. And then he was really upset. Yeah, he. <laughs> so so there's a backstory to this. There's a backstory to this. He his and my character had set up very oppositional, right? Like um he had gone away on a trip, and and uh, he'd already was kind of oppositional. When he came back, his his player went away on a trip. When he came back, uh, he'd gotten written into the story as a. Uh, as a as a uh, servant of a character who was chasing us. Now none of yeah. us knew that at the time, but I was playing this incredibly paranoid character who didn't like him to begin with. And so the moment he showed yeah. back up, I was like I was like he sold us out to this like this like secretive villain who's chasing us. I didn't know it was true at the time. It turned out to be true. And and the Yeah, that was really funny because I set that all up with Mike, right? Yeah. And then literally the first time Mike's character walks into the room and you're like the villain was this guy Count Yakalo. He was like he was like the major NPC villain of the whole fucking adventure for this entire story arc. He'd and been torturing us with dreams of him like traveling, yeah, like <laughs> traveling after us. And Ben's Ben Ben as as Kananeski just points at him and he goes, He's working for Count Yakalo. And I was like, Fuck <laughs> Like, did he see my notes? Did I say No, I didn't. I was just playing an incredibly paranoid character who uh. didn't like him. He didn't like his character. And um and it spiraled from there, and so we were always at each other's at other's grills. I remember um, that session we played at his house, where yeah. where like uh, his character and I did a lot of yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, and he it was just he was trying to destroy your character in game, and you're, you I don't even know if you were trying to destroy him so much. I actually wasn't trying to destroy him. Um, I was I was uh, just trying to sort of like 
I, I don't know. Like I, I was I was angry with him all the time. I think in game, but I never really worked actively to kill him until uh, until like sort of the final scene in which he reveals himself. Ha ha! I am yeah. working for Yokala. <laughs> so, so this is this is this is outside of the little kind of Mortal Kombat in an opera house thing because we did this little we did this little kind of like you know closed universe where these two characters could fight with their character sheets. I thought that I was giving them what they wanted. It turned out that their bloodlust had not yet been sated. And and really at that point, I mean this I okay, so you slapped me on the wrist, this is my fault. So the final the climactic battle of the of the of the module happens and they're in this big burning church and they're fighting each other and I don't even think Count Yokala's not even there, right? Count Yokala's not there. But he's you he's working through Mike. He's, he's working through Mike, Mike's his agent. Uh, Nicodemus is his agent, and there's like a book to be found, right? Yeah, everybody's fighting and, for the book. Yeah, everybody wants this book. And I want this book. I'm a mystic character. I wanted to take this book. I wanted to like, I wanted to like study its secrets and become more powerful. And um, Mike, like Nicodemus, jumps out and he's like, "Hi, I am working for Yokalo," and grabs the book and like yeah. stops running. Yeah, <laughs> starts running away. He just started putting all. He started burning blood points, just like just trying to get out as fast as he could. But you had all those little dice tricks, and you were like, "Ha ha, I got you, pal!" And you started beating the shit Ooh, out of him. I yeah, I caught him. I caught him. Ripped him off a wall, I remember. Yeah. And um, killed him, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was a very anticlimactic fight in a lot of ways. Once I caught up to him, it was just like... It was, well, sort of. I mean, it was cinematic. It was greatly cinematic, but yeah. it wasn't really like a fight. It was like a, an execution, almost. Yeah, that was a really fun Didn't session. did you end up, like, keeping <laughs> a skull in a snow globe? No, that was that was later. That was a future thing. <laughs> but, um, but that the, was but a the, different character. But the, in my memory of the, of the Mortal Kombat thing was us walking around. Mike had, Mike had gone with me to Philly at one point. We were, like, taking a trip to Philly. Um, I was visiting some friends from college out there, and, um, you know, he decided he wanted to come along, which was cool. We all we went out there. And I remember we were, he was we already started sort of our enmity between our characters at that point, and he was really focused on, like, his character could kill my character. And he was he was constantly talking about like about like about like how his character killed my character that whole journey, and I and I was just like no you can't, <laughs> no you can't. That just that boggles my mind. Is you guys like walking around the streets of Philadelphia like talking about a vampire game that was like going on hundreds of hey miles man, away? Hey man, we we loved that game. We all loved that game, and it was like a huge portion a huge portion of uh, like our enjoyment at the time. Uh, in really our our like, I don't know. It, was really formative in our gaming experience. Oh, in a lot of I ways. love that game. Wasn't too. his next character like a, Yoke, a Count Inescu killer, like yeah. Min Max just to kill Inescu? <laughs> well, yeah. Brendan talks about this in his podcast, The Great Game, where multiple characters were Count Inescu killers after that point. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> and All he right. still survived. <laughs> we never did finish that game. Maybe someday. Maybe after we all retire, we can all get together and we can play the last book in Giovanni Chronicles. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another fantastic session of uh, Full Metal RPG. I know I've had fun. I hope you have as well. Um, I hope that these stories we told here were somewhat inspiring, and not and not and not too much, just kind of like you know, face face withering in terms of their horror. Uh, I'd like to thank Jeff for coming down with this great idea. I'd like to thank Amanda for coming in at the last minute and rounding out our panel. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you and good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Full Metal RPG. Our intro music is Abyssal Plains by Legion. Our break music is A Murder in Space by Blow. Full Metal RPG is available on iTunes, 
SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Podbean. If you enjoy the show, please take a second and leave us a review. If you enjoy World of Darkness games, please check out our sister podcast, The Shadow Sworn Radio Hour. Follow Full Metal RPG on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you all for listening. Have a great night.